0: Hi, this is Timothy Zahn, author of Thrawn, and you're listening to Execute Chapter 66.
1: Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we discuss canon, legends, and beyond. Today we will be talking about Thrawn Ascendancy, Lesser Evil by Timothy Zahn. My name is Beth Van Husen and of course with me as always are Ryan Chwek and Chad J. Shank. Over to you,
2: Chad. This is your reminder that this is a book club and not a review show. We are going to spoil this very, 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 very long book. In addition, uh, we may spoil anything else Star Wars over the course of our conversation. Comics, movies, other books. Uh, so that has been your spoiler warning. Ryan, uh, what's uh, what's a happening?
3: Well, <laughs> first of all, let's get the the rancor in the room out of the way. <laughs> the, the book of Boba Fett has begun. You know, we uh, it, it's come out. It has been somewhat divisive, but we are going to save all or most of our our thoughts and feelings and what has gone on on the show for a very special episode of execute chapter 66 with a cavalcade of stars and opinions
2: pretty much the same guys that were on here for bad batch
3: you go know, pretty much
2: a mandalorian
1: so many more opinions <laughs>
3: One news thing, though, that is less plot with Book of Boba Fett, but I think is more interesting for speculation. It has come out that Filoni has co wrote the final episode and has more involvement in whatever the final episode is. That's also teamed with Morrison has gone to several interviews and talked about the last episode. Something happens that's a big you know, reveal or whatever, that is on par with the Luke reveal. I mean, you know, my guess is if Filoni's involved, usually he gets involved like that when one of his toys is being played with. So, I don't know. Maybe we will see Ahsoka come in looking for Thrawn or... I don't know. It's got to be something big.
2: Can't just be Cobb Vanth?
3: I, I don't think so.
2: Because we're going to see Cobb.
3: Yeah, And um, we
1: are, but I don't think it's going to be... Not that big a deal that Felony would have to be involved.
2: No, Cobb. We're just going to see Cobb from afar, is right. Like right. Boba's going to be like, oh,
3: there's my armor, you know.
1: That's but I don't doing. see why Circle would be looking for him on Tatooine.
3: I don't know. Whatever it is, it's got to be something that the general, you know, non-hardcore nerd group is going to get super excited about. So I don't know. Maybe Sabine will show up. Maybe that'll be the first time we see her or something. I don't know. But whatever it is, it's, yep. it's interesting that Filoni has gotten involved. Oh, it's so hard to keep my opinions to myself. But we'll, <laughs> we'll join you in a few weeks to discuss all of the Book of Boba Fett. Over in video game news, they have announced that the Fallen Order sequel is going to be revealed at Celebration. Um, originally, they had thought it was going to be at the EA, whatever they call their you know press thing. All these companies do now, so they will show it there. It is not called Fallen Order Two, uh, but it remain it has the Jedi title in it. So I'm looking forward to that one. They have also announced EA is deep in development on the second game, whatever it is, and that we may get teased with that also at the EA spectacular announcement show.
2: Is E3 just dead now?
3: I don't know. Um, I feel like it
1: is. I miss it. All these companies, and this happens, this is happening
3: a lot to uh, a lot of the toy companies also, where they're not showing up to a lot of these big conventions anymore. And then they're just holding their own, you know, PulseCon or DC Universe did one. And um, I think McFarlane did one. And so a lot of the companies seem to want to have their own events, and it looks like you know they're able to generate more excitement by putting videos out and releasing everything online, which I appreciate. I like watching PulseCon um, and those kind of events. Supposedly, if Celebration happens this year, as of right now it is on track to, Lucasfilm apparently is really pushing Celebration, and originally that game was supposed to be announced and shown at EA and. Lucasfilm had them move it up so I think they're trying to get excitement back to celebration after a few not I mean they were kind of lackluster the last couple of years as far as big things happening
2: I went to I went to celebration in 2000 god five
0: Mm
2: -hmm. whenever whenever it was in Los Angeles and uh, I was underwhelmed then
3: Um, other video game news, I guess something I didn't really understand. So the Kotar remake, the one that's coming out on the PS5 and PC. Yeah. So I thought it was just going to be an updated port that they were just going to, you know, update the graphics and then put it back out. Turns out they've remade the entire game. What? What? Yeah, they remade it. And so they've changed, I think, you know, we talked about before, they've kind of changed the play style. So it's not that really hard turn based anymore. Um, They announced that they have recorded a new soundtrack that will be like the same music, but updated and they'll add some. They are going to change the name and species and age of some characters, not any main ones they said, but it sounds like they're going to go back in and maybe add some species that have been introduced since Kotar came out, and they have said there will be new content in that game, so it is not a straight up remake. Um, over on the animation side, we've always kind of known, and there's been this rumor they're working on a new CG show, so they've hired the animators that make that Monsters at Work and Rocketeer for Disney, okay, which are younger shows. So, people are kind of interested now, like, we know they've hired these people, so is the show going to be, like, a resistance type, you know, get away from kind of the Bad Batch, Filoni area?
2: Maybe Forces of Destiny, like?
3: Yeah, something like Like that. Like, looking for that crowd? Mm Mm-hmm. On the movie side, I found this funny, (laughs) Patty Jenkins is back! (laughs) Jesus (laughs) So... You know, I think, was it the last news we talked about it, that they had canceled Rogue Squadron? Yeah. Yeah, strike that. She's back. <laughs> like She was, <laughs> I guess, going to direct this Cleopatra remake that they're going to do, which, look, everybody, I, well, most people that know film know the story of Cleopatra and that movie being made. And look, the thing was probably cursed. It's going to be awful. But Jenkins has stepped down and Rogue, or Rogue Squadron is back to being her priority. For good or bad. We will see. Yeah. I'm going to watch it, so... Right. I mean, they're going to get my $10 or whatever it is. And then in the news that's probably the most pertinent to us, we have announced Phase 2 of the High Republic. And it is surprising. So Phase 2 is called Quest of the Jedi and will start in October of this year. Phase two, however, is not going to continue the story we've been reading for the last year. We are going to go back 150 years to the past. Yeah. It's, a, it's an odd choice.
2: I think it's awesome. I
3: mean, <laughs> it's, it's great. I like
1: it, but I mean, I, okay, just stop getting attached to any characters.
3: Well, but that doesn't mean we're not going like, to go back in phase two and see something that happened. And then in phase three, jump back to everybody we know with this new piece of information. And another thing they've announced is the hints for phase two are in Mission to Disaster, which we will talk about when we talk about that book and kind of what we think they might be hinting towards. Kevin Scott is going to write the Marvel comic. Charles Soule is going to do a Porter Engel backstory. From Marvel, which I'm really excited about. And they released some concept art. Well, I guess it's not concept art, whatever they're calling them. The pictures where they show you what they look like.
2: Yeah, like the key art, character yeah. art. Yeah.
3: It D- does not look like what I would expect. So that also means if it's in phase two, he is much older than we were led to believe.
2: I- I'm guessing we'll still see Yoda?
3: I would assume so. We'll see a younger Yoda.
2: And what's name? what's his name? Poof?
3: <laughs> so older's moving to Dark Horse so this is weird so we knew that IDW was done and that Dark Horse had picked up the younger series so they are still calling it Star Wars The High Republic Adventures but they're labeling them as graphic novels and so I don't know if Dark Horse is planning on doing issues still or if they're going to release just straight yeah, and I mean everybody knows like the graphic novels do way better at libraries. They do way better with kids, so maybe that's the way to go.
2: They look better on your shelf.
3: Yeah, <laughs> they do.
2: You look, here's the thing: if you have a nice collection of trade paperbacks on your shelf, you look like a comic reader. If you have a large collection of comic books on your shelf, you look like a hoarder.
3: <laughs> I you can't see my long boxes; they're uh, <laughs> they're they're put away to be
2: deep yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so are mine.
3: And then the final thing for Our public, we're going to move out of our five authors we've gotten so used to, and we've added some. So we're going to have Zerada I don't know how to say her name, Cordova. And she wrote that old YA novel, uh, Crash of Fate.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah.
3: Um, George Mann, who we had just talked about, who wrote The Myth and Fables, and then he also wrote Life Day Treasury. Tessa Graydon. And then we've got Lydia Kang. Uh, Kang wrote in certain point of view, the one we have not read yet. I've read it.
2: Coming, coming later this year.
3: Yep. And then, final bit of news, more just a comment. And I know I sent you guys a picture. It has been revealed that Dr. Evazon has male pattern baldness. <laughs> I don't know why it amused me so much, but so I got my Black Series figures today. The new Boba Fett is great. Finnick is great. But Dr. Evazan, he was like, I had him standing on the shelf and I walked around the table to do something and I looked down and I was like, is something wrong Like with the paint there? What's happening? And I look closer. Nope. That is sculpted male pattern baldness on Dr. Evazan.
2: You know, Ryan, you get to a certain age and sometimes <laughs> it happens.
3: When you're a murder doctor, it really puts <laughs> a lot of stress on you. And- it looks like air. Oh, so that is all of our news segment this evening.
2: Alright, in the in the funny books. Actually, surprisingly, even though our uh, even despite our break, not a ton of titles to talk about. Got two issues of Bounty Hunters, though, since we last spoke, Bounty Hunters 19 and 20 by Saxon Bucks. Uh, 19 is about Valance working for the Empire, specifically Vader. Uh, And you know what? I'm not going to lie. It wasn't half bad. I'm kind of enjoying this version of Valance. Number 20 is all about the other bounty hunters in the story uh, led by Zuckus on a trip to find his buddy Forlom, who has been turned into an evil murder bot. Dr. Aphra 17 by Wong and Jung. Aphra crosses paths with an old foe while chasing ancient relics. So, you know, must be Wednesday. Star Mm -hmm. Wars 20 by Sewell and Castiello. uh, More of Luke's quest thing to find out how to become a Jedi. He finds a Holocron made by Yoda, which is quite a coincidence. And there is a cameo by a High Republic Jedi. I'm not going to spoil who, but he is very popular with the ladies. High Republic Adventures 12 by Older and Tol- uh involves a Jedi mission to the planet of Dalherhide. Not joking. Where Zine and Lula try to capture Lula's old buddy, Cricks, better known as Marshawn Rose, bratty ass clown. This is all part of the last remnants of the Nile storyline that we keep being told about um, that's going to blow up on our faces when we get to Fallen Star, of course.
3: Has Eye of the Storm started yet?
2: Not that I'm aware of, no. They they just they just finished um, Monster at Temple Peak, which was the Tyoric okay. miniseries. I don't believe the other one has started yet. I, it hasn't popped up for me yet, but that's all I got in comics. That's it.
3: So before we get fully started tonight, we wanted to hit on, it's a new year, and so looking ahead, what we are looking forward to most, or what we would like to see in Star Wars, whether it's movies or figures or shows or books or whatever it is, uh, for 2022, I think we've had some pretty good stuff over the past year, but it looks like there's going to be even better content next year. So I figure we'll just go around, you know, like we do round Robin. So Chad, if you want to start us off.
1: Chad, don't take mine.
2: <laughs> the first thing I'll say is, and I'll probably scoop Ryan, is Andor. Is that this year?
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay.
2: Uh, I'm very much looking forward to the Cassian Andor show. I think it'll be a good break from Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, i.e. Mandalorian 2.5. And um, those are characters that I'm really interested in, uh, with the Cassian and, and working my Mothma, and hopefully Saw and all that stuff. And, um, and 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 to bridge it into something I'm looking, f- I'm hoping for is I'm hoping we get Infus Nest.
3: Oh yeah, on that show. Both on my list. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, what I had for is I'm just looking forward to seeing the Dirty Rebellion. Yeah. Like, that's something I always like. I definitely hope. I mean, if they're going to bring Emphis back in, this is how they do it. Beth, what's on your list to start with?
1: I'm sure it will come as a huge surprise to everyone that the thing that I am most excited about is the Obi-Wan show. Yep. No one could have picked that for me. Stunning. I know. Sorry to knock everybody over with my first pick, but... uh, I I am cautiously optimistic that they're doing the right thing by bringing Hayden Christensen back in that that was so
2: worried so worried
1: I know it threw <laughs> it threw me so badly when that was announced and I I'm, I'm still nervous It's not
2: even but, that it's Hayden Christensen it's not that it's story no, it's wise, that I'm it's nervous
1: Yes that was second it's on my what list. what it does to the story or what it could do to the story because it it could go horribly awry. Very, very easily.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I'm I'm just I'm trusting it's got a plan and it's a good plan and story wise it's going to work and make sense. Fingers crossed it all works
2: out. I'm
3: still excited for the show.
2: Yeah, me too. I'm worried, but I uh, me too.
3: I definitely stole the second one on my list was the redemption of Hayden Christensen.
2: Yeah, there you go.
3: Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, so I think for mine since those two are gone, I'm ready to see Sabine. She's kind of, you know, between her and Afra, they're the two that it's time.
1: Well, it's Sabine's cast. She's cast. We know she's coming. Yep.
2: Just don't know when and on what.
1: Yeah.
3: Yep. So what do y'all, what would you like to see?
2: I would like to see slash Am looking forward to the comics getting past Return of the Jedi. Um, we, we've had just a lot of time Uh, with War of the Bounty Hunters and then Crimson Reign and then whatever the thing after that is, the Hidden Empire. Um, I'm very much looking forward to hopefully the comics getting past Return of the Jedi and start telling us stories that, yeah, I know Aftermath already covered a little bit of it, but they didn't cover the events of our main heroes at all. Mm
3: -hmm. So
2: I'd like to continue the stories of these characters after Return of the Jedi. Now, I know that means canceling what is probably what has been reliably the best book, which has been the Vader comic. I, I don't know. I'd like, I'm would like i tired, and I'd like to get past Return of the Jedi now.
3: They're writing themselves into a corner, the way that they write the main Star Wars book, right? Like, they're running out of time. Like, it took how long for Han Solo to get back to Jabba and all that? So, yeah, they're going to have to do something. Beth, is there, what would you like to see?
1: Speaking of comics, um, you both will be very, very pleased to know that uh, it's not that I... I'm not happy that we're not getting a ton of new books thrown at us, but we're covering enough books this year that I've already read multiple times that I don't have to, you know, sit and reread the same book two or three times before we talk about it, that I'm going to have time to read some comics and I'm going to start reading Dr. Aphra this year.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to start Make with sure Darth Vader. You need Vader first. Yeah, no. Darth Vader.
1: Okay, wait. All right, hang on. I gotta write that down because I just pulled up on Marvel Unlimited that
2: you need to pull up the Doctor After. Yeah, okay, yeah, but you need to get the Vader original Vader series starting in issue number three. Yep. Which? Well, should
1: I, I just start from one? Yeah, just start from maybe? one. It's
2: it's the one written by Karen Gillan
1: because it's okay. awesome. All right, well, Shwek, don't change your Marvel Unlimited password without telling me. <laughs> oh, I haven't. I just renewed it.
2: Okay, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go and do, yeah, read, start Kieran Gillen Darth Vader, read that, and then you it'll roll you right into Afra. Make right. sure you read the right Afra series in the right order, though. There's two.
3: <laughs> yes. I think my biggest thing I want to see, whether they do it in books or on, announce a show or at least announce a movie, it's time to poodoo or get off the pot and move past rise of Skywalker.
2: Oh yeah. We'll see. <laughs> I thought about that. <laughs> I thought about that. Yeah.
3: You know, they just got to move forward somehow. And I know they're nervous too, and trying to figure out how they're going to do it. Maybe Ahsoka changes all of it. I don't know. I'm just ready to move forward somehow.
2: I would, I would read stories about Ray training a new generation of Jedi. Yeah. I would just, I, I would, I would be willing to accept that future and, and basically give me the story that I want with Luke. If you're not going to give me that with Luke, give it to me with Ray.
3: There's so much good stuff in there somewhere that you could do stuff with.
2: I've got a couple little ones. I would like to see a Black Series 9 nub. Thank you very much. Yeah. Please. (laughs) That's the only one I'm missing right now for my Cruise of the Falcon collection. I would like to see a James Lucino announcement.
3: Mm -hmm. Yes.
2: And my last one I'll mention Get Alden Ehrenreich on a show. Bring him back. You're giving Hayden Christensen a chance. Alden Ehrenreich was so much better in Solo than Hayden Christensen is in the prequels.
1: Yeah, he deserves that chance much more.
2: Like a show, get him on the Lando show, get him on something. But please bring Alden Ehrenreich back as on Solo. Please.
3: I think my other note for 2022, I think this is the year we're going to get the Christmas special. They're finally just going to be like, you know what? <laughs> We've slowly started like referencing it and putting out parts of it. Enough people have it, just release it. <laughs> like, be like, look, we know it's bad, but it's it's funny bad. Come see your friends that you love so much.
2: Oh, one more thing to look forward to, hopefully, is hopefully we <laughs> could have said mm-hmm. this last year, is uh, the three of us on a panel at DragonCon. Yeah. I'm hoping for that. What do I you
1: mean, hopefully?
2: I, you, you better be coming. Because it was going to happen last year and it didn't. So.
1: Well, I know. So
2: I'm saying but hopefully. <laughs> Wait,
1: Vaccinations happen. We could be on the went. Zeta
2: variant by then. We have no idea <laughs> what's going to happen. But uh, hopefully, because I think we got a really cool idea, cool idea for the panel. And um, yeah, I think it'll be a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully the, the three of us being able to do this together for the first time.
1: And Gary and Joe, if you're listening... Um, not at 1130 in the morning, please.
3: <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work with my Dragon Con schedule.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. We will not get Shwek to a panel at 1130 in the morning.
3: <laughs> if you do, you'll get it very hungover.
1: It'll be like a weekend at Bernie's where we just got him
3: propped up with sunglasses. <laughs> just every once in a while, you know, I'm like half asleep with some sunglasses on. I just go, Blue Coon!
0: <laughs> a long time ago. Beyond. A galaxy far, far away.
3: This is a very long, very dense book. And so for our recap tonight, I'm going to hit some major points. uh, But this is by no means probably 60% of what happens in this book. But you will get the main idea. We are back with the finale of the Ascendancy Trilogy, Lesser Evil by Timothy Zahn. Because the Chiss, the Chiss are on our list. Oh, yeah, the Chiss, the Chiss are on our list. They're fighting Jistis and the Gris for the Ascendancy's life. Thank you and good night. (laughs) Fired. (laughs) No, promotion. I have been holding on to the just on our list pun now for approximately seven months. You you uh-huh. had you
1: had that at DragonCon and you held on to it. <laughs>
3: I am impressed.
0: All right, now tell us the damn story. <laughs> for thousands of years, it has been an island of calm within the chaos. It is a center of power, a model of stability, and a beacon of integrity. The nine ruling families guarded from within the expansionary defense fleet guards it from without its neighbors are left in peace. Its enemies are left in ruin. It is light and culture and glory. It is the Chiss Ascendancy.
3: All right. So let's talk about lesser evil. So, Lesser Evil starts with Thrawn and Orlani chasing down the remnants of uh, the Nacardian pirate threat, with Thrawn knowing full well that the threat of the Ascendancy is not yet over. Unbeknownst to them, Gistus has hooked up with the Kilji Illuminid, under the Generalis, who take over worlds and enslaved population claiming it's enlightened. He is trying to sell different families of the Chiss on accepting his help based on fake videos of other families preparing for war in the aftermath of the previous novel. Some turn him away and some buy into a story accepting help in order to build up their own fleets in order to ha- uh, fight the other families. As the fleet is used down to put down several skirmishes Around the ascendancy between the families, including Arlani putting some ships in timeout using a tractor beam. Thrawn seeks to return the Magus to her people, discovering on the way that her connection with Sherry the Skywalker allows her to boost her third sight to see in the future. The closer they are, the farther she can see. After observing several fights in shipyards, Thrawn determines that the videos were being faked by Jixis to draw the Ascendancy into war. Using the secret base of alien artifacts that Thrawn has just been providing for the last couple of novels, we learn of the Starflash weapon, which draws energy from the sun and destroys everything around it. Keep that in mind, it's going to come back later. Thrawn decides he must bring Jixis and the Grix to him to end the threat once and for all. All right, flashback time. In the memory sections in this book, we meet Thrass, a myth family member who, it is revealed, was set up by General Vecchio and Thraki to be a, poten- a political counterpart to help lead the family with Thrawn in the future, with Thrawn as the military mind and Thras helping him with the politics. Over the course of several meetings and missions, the two become friends and eventually brothers, something Thrawn has never had. However, Thras is killed with an unidentified human woman, thus destroying Tharaki's and Baku's vision for the future. Tharaki does, however, before he dies, create a data chip for Thallis, who is given to who receives it from his aide, that gives the secret of the Skywalkers. They have been mind-wiped by their families during training, and also the program is run by Thron's sister. This seems like a major reveal that really doesn't have many long-lasting uh, implications. Uh, let's see. Thrawn finally gets all his plans into motion, just as he is ordered to be arrested by the Ascendancy for working with aliens. However, Thallus threatens to backmail oh, so many TH names. who Thera- If he doesn't send ships to Sunrise to help Thrawn. Thurfian. Thurfian, There it is. I can't read my writing tonight. Thrawn sets up Kalori, our old Pathfinder friend, by letting to know about the Magus's power and that there are others on her planet that can also work with the Skywalkers. And so they, let's see. Oh, and so they all go to Sunrise to try to get the power. Jastis and the Gris arrive with their big old ships uh, in order to face... Our ships that are our chiss friends Thrawn Arlani Mark Linda Rasku all the gang is there as they've been set in various motions throughout the book and the bird people from the last book who Thrawn has been working with chasing down leads through excellent planning and use of the gravity well generator remember that thing instead of the star flash they are able to get the upper hand Jixis after a hard fight starts to try to escape but it stopped with Kalori, who takes control of the Unenlightened, and all of the aliens from the previous book shows up. Jixus self-destructs himself and all the grisk, and the mystery continues. We leave Sunrise with somewhat of a threat that Magus has seen the power she can get from a Skywalker, and we may not see the last of them. Thrawn and Bakhil set up an idea that Thrawn will take all the heat and be exiled to a world where he will be picked up by the Empire he heard about while hunting pirates out in lesser space. Sherry and Thalis go to be studied by Thrawn's sister on how the Magus affected her and her third sight. In the end, we're left with Thrawn's thoughts and the links he will go to to protect the Ascendancy.
0: All beings begin their lives with hopes. And aspirations. Among these aspirations is the desire that there will be a straight path to those goals. It is seldom so, perhaps never. Sometimes the turns are of one's own volition, as one's thoughts and goals change over time. But more often the turns are mandated by outside forces. It was so with me. The memory is vivid, unsullied by age. The five admirals rising from their chairs as I am escorted into the chamber. The decision of the Ascendancy has been made, and they are here to deliver it. None of them is happy with the decision. I can read that in their faces. But they are officers and servants of the chase, and they will carry out their orders. Protocol alone demands that. The word is, as I expected, Exile. The planet has already been chosen. The Admirals will assemble the equipment necessary to ensure that Solitude does not quickly become death from predators or the elements. I am led away once again, my path has turned. Where it will lead I cannot say
3: So like I said, that's probably about maybe not even 40 percent of what happens in this book
2: No, it was a good it was a good overall. It was uh,
3: view. If we hit all of it, we would be here for like four hours.
2: as we pointed out last time. The audiobook is 24 hours long and the book itself is what, 570?
3: Yeah, roughly 570.
1: Yeah.
2: No, I apologize. I apologize. It's only 550.
3: It is a quick 550. I tore through this book. Yeah. And like, did not want to put it down.
1: I found myself reading, reaching for the actual book much more than the audiobook, even though I have both. I use the audiobook in the car, but the audiobook reads too slow. And I'm like, okay, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up.
2: I found myself just with nothing when I had nothing when I had things to do but I was still just pacing around my living room with my earbuds in listening to the audiobook because I just wanted to keep going like I, <sighs> I was like I should be doing something but I'm it's not I'm not doing it in the car I'm not even taking a walk <laughs> I'm just standing there and listening to it because I wanted to keep
3: going and I, I feel bad cuz I didn't hit on it as much <laughs> But there really is so much with Mark and Linda and Arlani and like how they all like get into pieces.
2: Yeah, this isn't a Thrawn book.
3: No, it's really not. So let's start there because I know, Chad, we had this conversation about it. Thrawn doesn't follow kind of your traditional protagonist role, I guess, right? Like he's (laughs) not, there's some changes to him, but there's no, like if you asked me a, Overall, like, arc, I guess, of Thrawn over these books, he's more or less the same that he was at the beginning.
2: Thrawn is, he is simply, whether it's through compulsion or, or, uh, or some kind of mental illness or whether it's just really what he believes in, he is so single minded, he only exists to defend the ascendancy. Mm-hmm. That is it. There is no bending on that for him. Everything else is secondary at best. He's not your traditional protagonist in the sense that he doesn't move a lot. He moves other people. Other people change because of him.
1: That's, that's what I was going to say is that he, he's the same, but nobody else is the same from the first book.
3: There's a really good line. I think General Bacif says it when he's talking to Arlani at one point where they're talking about how Thrawn has changed them. And taught them to kind of think like he does. And some of the memories with Thrass, you know, they're on that one mission. I think that's where he kind of bonds with Thrass. is he's got the two guys and they're trying to uncover, you know, the mystery of the ship that got captured or whatever. And the other guy refuses to learn. Like he won't, you know, Thrawn does that thing where he starts a sentence and he wants you to kind of finish through the thought. Or to make the connection and the other guy won't and Thras will. And so I think you see that, like that's who he, Arlani, you know, Mark in the end, Zenda does it. Even
2: Rescue comes around.
3: Yeah. Rescue eventually, even though, and I like that she never likes him. And in the end, she says she doesn't.
1: Mark doesn't like him either. He says, I, I, I respect him, but I
3: don't like him. I, and I, and I think we were talking about it once. It's very, I think you brought it up that like, it's almost like a, a Gatsby type of thing. Where like, yeah. he's like the center of all this, but it's how these events kind of move around him. This
2: is not a Star Wars book. This is not a Star Wars series. This is a Star Trek series. Yeah. The only thing that makes it Star Wars is the Force stuff. And let's be fair, that's the least interesting things in the books is the stuff with the second sight and the Magus and all that. Like, I find that to be the least interesting thing.
3: So I kind of wonder, and this is getting towards the end, it definitely seems like Zahn is setting stuff up. Clearly, like, there are a lot of unanswered things, and it looks like he wants to look at how the Force kind of works yeah. with the Chiss um, and this kind of power the Magus gives Sherry. And
2: This book is just a bunch of capital ships. It's yeah. like you're following five captains of capital ships as they putter around the galaxy, <laughs> or, the, or their their little part of the galaxy of the Ascendancy, right? And and it and it keeps cutting back. There's a whole sequence where we never cut to Thrawn. We're only cutting to the other captains
1: mm-hmm.
2: while Thrawn is setting up his plan, and everyone's getting the. It's an amazing sequence where everybody's getting their notice. Like, okay, here's Thrawn's plan. Pass it on. Mm-hmm. Right here's Thrawn's plan. Pass it on. Anybody who's loyal, show up for Thrawn's plan. Right. But we don't get to hear what Thrawn's plan is. And we he, we don't see him ever. He's gone from the book for like 150 pages, probably.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: While the, his plan is coming together. It's just about the Chiss. It's not really, you know, it, it is about his effect on the chis. But I don't know. I was just struck so how he how how single minded he is mm-hmm. and that everything else means nothing to him if it's not defending the ascendancy. Mm -hmm. And where that comes from, where that fervor comes from, I think is the key to his personality and the key to him as a person. And I still don't think we've unlocked that.
3: Now, let me ask you one criticism I have seen of this trilogy and really of all the new Sauron books is that some people feel like he's too perfect. Like it's always going to be he has some perfect plan that works. And really outside of the one with the, uh, what were they, the uh, Guavian's, The one way back where he messed up. Yeah, where he made a mistake. Yeah, that's been the only one he messed up. I don't have a problem with it because I don't think that's the interesting part. I think the interesting part is how everyone around him responds to it.
1: Well, the decisions they're having him make are all strategic decisions. So he's not going to get very many of those wrong, especially Mm -hmm. at this point. That's just who he is.
2: Sherlock Holmes doesn't get it wrong either, usually. His failings are in other parts of his life.
3: Yeah, like his plane's always going to go good, but his politic game is (laughs) never going to be great.
2: This book seems to tell us that he's had exactly one friend.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, and that's what I say. Like, I think, I guess not a criticism, but one thing I wish. Like, I kind of wish we had gotten thrass earlier.
2: He is mentioned in the other books. Yeah. His death is mentioned. You know, he's from Outbound Flight.
3: Oh, well, I'm gonna have to is. go back
1: and read that again. I totally yeah, he, forgot about that. Yeah, yeah
2: I think we're, we're we're gonna have to probably go back and hit that book. But yeah, he's yeah. one of the Chiss in outbound flight. I believe Arlani is too, and he was described in that book as Thrawn's
3: brother. Mm-hmm. I thought of all of these three books, the memory section in this one was the strongest. Like yeah. I, I like this idea of Thrass and. I almost felt kind of bad there that Throcky, Throcky, and McKeith like, they were always using Thrawn. I mean, they were using him for the myth, and they always kind of, you know, that's what they're going to do. But
2: As Hawkeye would say, he's a weapon.
3: Yeah, and I like this idea that they know that he's kind of the future of the family and the ascendancy, and they need him, but they've got to have somebody to balance him out i did like how they set Thrass up like you know the meeting with the other family kind of checking it out that whole discussion with the brother him calling him a brother and them deciding they're going to be friends and thras is not actually a he's a cousin right yeah he's not actually a cousin like it was kind of a mess up <laughs> and right. he ended up so he's kind of an outsider too
2: no their relationship was moving It was touching mm-hmm. you know and it's not something you hear from Thrawn. And, and and the fact that Thras dies at a relatively young age, yeah. you know, is also a key to his him as a character.
3: While they're there, let's talk about Thrass's death real fast. Do we think it's like, I don't know. I mean, clearly, it's purposely that he dies on a Republic ship with a human female.
2: But it's during the time of when they were chasing the pirates.
3: Right. So we're looking at pre-Clone Wars. Right? Right before.
2: First, I was like, is this happening during the Clone Wars? Did he join up? But I think he, he had he had discovered some more alien technology he was trying to bring back to Thrawn, and then they got caught.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue. Let's talk about the alien technology and secret bunker fiction. <laughs> I like they keep going back to the secret bunker, and I like the, was it the Stiba. I thought that was it. There are other families, and I will say this before we get into that zan has done a really good job in these books there's so many families but i never felt too confused and i was able to keep up like and he did a really good it. like i knew who was friends with who you know the yeah. or the um oh what's the main family in this one that Is causing all the trouble.
2: I don't remember their name.
3: Oh, it starts with a C. It does. It's a C.
2: When I hear it, I know it.
3: But he does a good job. Like, yeah, I I was able to keep up really well with, yep, this family's friends with this one, and they want that. da 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 But it will cause. So the Stiv I thought was interesting because they kind of exist outside of that. Like, they were the ruling family and then stepped down, which I thought makes them interesting. And now they run this alien artifact, the, the Thrawn Museum. And I like that whole, like, another good thing he did. Like, this book really ties in the last two. So, like, that little shipyard that we thought was a listening outpost between Sunrise and the Ascendancy just just actually blew up and, like, went after him because he's going to retrofit them all with the cage thing to strengthen the ships. But yeah, so anyway, the alien artifacts. I'm really glad they did not use the Star Flash.
2: Oh, I thought he was gonna.
3: <laughs> I really did. They set it up so good like he was gonna do it. Nope, it's just the gravity well generator.
0: But after that, when he's talking to Bakif. When he first contacted Patriarch Lamiov about taking an item from Vault 4, we both assumed you meant the item. You can imagine my relief when it turned out to be the gravity well generator and not the Star Flash. Though it might have been. Thrawn said evenly. If I'd thought Starflash was necessary to destroy Jyxtus and the Grisk Threat, I would have used it without a second thought. Even if it meant the destruction of Sunrise? Thrawn's eyes seemed to focus on something in the distance, behind Bakif. My job is to protect the Ascendancy and the Chess people, sir, he said quietly. Whatever it costs to achieve that goal, I will pay it. So
2: it's not like he used it because he's a good person. Yeah. It just wasn't what he needed to do to protect the ascendancy.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It was a really good red hair. Because <laughs> I,
2: I think he's taking advantage of us because you said it last time when we talked about the last book, you were like yeah, another planet killer. Yeah. You know, and, and and like, I think maybe he's kind of taking advantage of our, our, uh, us being used to planet killers and, mm-hmm. And was able to kind of trick us a little bit. I I thought it was effective. I was like, until they kicked in the gravity wall generators, I was like, I was like, oh man, I don't know if I want to get to the end of this. It's kind of like, because to me it was heading towards like uh, Daenerys melting King's Landing Mm -hmm. where I was like, I don't know if I want to watch this. You know, (laughs) like it it makes sense but I don't want to watch this.
3: And I started to think like, is this why he gets exiled? Like, is he about to pull the trigger? And I did like, I think what made it effective too is that it wasn't just like a random other thing he used. Like making it the gravity well generator, which we'd already read about. He's yeah, used established. It. Yeah, like that was a really good tie.
2: And it was a cool way they were using it too. Yeah. To like create the create a parameters for the battlefield that they can't escape, but they were also using it to do maneuvers, like short jumps and stuff.
3: Mm-hmm. Really cool. Yeah. And Chloe like recognizing it <laughs> and Jix just being like, What is that? And he's like, uh
2: So my favorite part in this entire book is when uh, all the families are squabbling, right, and they're all they're all starting to squabble, and the civil war's starting to brew, two of the families are are arguing and about to start shooting at each other, and Aralani shows up, <laughs> and basically just tells them like, "Hey, idiots, stop!" And they're like, "You are in, you are not, you are in just space. You don't have any authority."
0: You attack one of the forty, and you'll be the one regretting it. The voice countered, "The signature won't stand for it." Uhtro raised her eyebrows at Aralani, clearly offering to tell the other captain that it was the Syndicure, in fact, who had sent the Vigilant here in the first place. But Aralani shook her head. Watching the battle and concentrating on her countdown, she reached zero. Junior Captain Oskim, plasma spheres, she ordered the weapons officer. Prepare to flicker them. Target, Admiral? Oskim asked. Aralani looked out at the battle. All of them, she said. All of them? Utro asked, her eyes going a little wider. Every single damn one of them. All of them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> just just all like just, just 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 all of them. Every single damn one of them. I love her so much.
3: I oh, do too. I said it during the recap, but my favorite part of that, too, is when she puts him in timeout. She's like, eh, turn on the tractor beam and throw him in opposite orbits.
2: <laughs> yeah, she just...
1: Uh, the family is the Klar, by the way. Just looked him up. And if we don't get an Aralani, at least a book after yeah. this, I'm going to be real mad. Yeah. Because we, yeah. we left the last book knowing that we needed a Linda book and an Aralani book. Don't even get me started on how upset I am that she's Zinda now, but she's been Linda for two books. I know she's Zyinda, but... I, but she wasn't Linda before. You I still know call that. Her Linda. <laughs> She's still Linda to me. Yeah. But now now we need um, Sherry, the Adventures of Sherry and Thalys and Thrawn's sister. And Eli Vanto.
0: Eli
1: <laughs> and Eli Vanto. Vanto. And... Uh, You know what? I'd take some uh, General Bakif books now, too.
2: Yeah, Bakif's pretty awesome. Um, Thrawn's sister, by the way, on the audiobook, it sounds like Thrawn is if he was starring in Some Like It Hot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Borika murmured, lowering the questus. The dates match up. So you knew him? Thalius asked. He came and talked to me once. Aureka said, back when I was your easy. Her lips quirked in a brief smile. Obviously kept tabs on me afterward or he couldn't have sent you here. She hesitated, then lowered her char. Why did you come? He does like a
2: female Thrawn voice and he's so obviously trying to. It's just basically Thrawn's voice, but pitched higher.
1: Oh, yeah, because he even has her say, say perhaps or something a couple times. Yeah. And it's
2: like, wait, what? It's so see, that would at least be subtle on the page. But when you hear it out loud, <laughs> it's not so subtle.
3: Let's get let's get into all the sister stuff. Well, it just the general Skywalker, because that was one of the big things, right? Like that they're brainwashing the Skywalkers and taking away their memories and even of the trainings.
2: Turning uh, them into black widows. We know how
3: it goes. I, I know, right? <laughs> I thought that, too.
2: I, watch Hawkeye. It's it's
3: good. Mm. Um, did y'all like that he has a sister? No. No, I don't
2: either. You said it in your in your recap, it doesn't amount to anything. Like it amounts to any like there amounts to something for Sherry and for Thaliaus, right? That that storyline does something. It doesn't add anything to the story, making it Thron's sister.
1: No, it could have just been some some chiss lady.
2: Right. Uh. It gives now it gives him a backstory. It gives him like this Fox Mulder backstory basically like where his sister disappeared and he never knew where she went. So it's very X-Files. So that's maybe a, a, a key to his character, another piece along with Thras, right. To, to his, his character. But, the, but there was no reason for that to be the same character. Yeah, no reason Could, could
1: his sister have not disappeared and we just didn't see her.
2: Without there being a reunion of some sort. If there had been a reunion, if they had seen each other, then you would find that to be worth it. Right. Because then the story would at least have a payoff, but their relationship doesn't have a payoff in this. Thalys just knows Thrawn's sister and never brings it up to
3: him. Miley thought, like, I, I don't know if they were trying to tie it kind of to the Thras thing. Like, that whole brother Thron was missing that part. And so that, you know, because she was taken away. Yeah, I
2: think that too. Yeah.
3: Don't you think Thron would have gone after her or figured it out or something?
1: Well, he was, he was like three when she dis- disappeared, so he probably didn't have much to go on from, you know, at that time.
3: But to be fair, David Duchovny never gave up. Well, and I think like Thrawn is so big into like figuring out a mystery and figuring out all the puzzle pieces that that would be something he would go after.
1: Well, if she disappeared as when he was an adult, yeah, absolutely. He would have gone after her and never stopped. But because he was so young, I don't think he knows what to do about it.
3: And we don't know, maybe they just, maybe there was a story that she got matched with another family and, you know, there's some of that. And so that was it. Now I do like that they, you know, we've always kind of had this background, caregivers are not ex-Skywalkers. That's not allowed. It's a big deal that Dallas is there. And so they kind of filled that in really good, I think. And it makes sense. Like they'll figure out, they're worried they'll figure out that, oh, you don't remember this. I don't remember this either. So I did like that part of it. And I like, you know, in the end that they're going to look at Sherry and figure out if she has any long lasting effects.
2: Some CTE or something.
3: Yeah. From the Magus. I know we had talked like, it almost makes me hope like if we get a follow up that we're going to get that like yeah, Sherry's powers don't go away now. Like she's been touched by something else. And so it kind of keeps her at least some sort of power active. The Magus
2: is like my least favorite character.
3: Demetrius got dark real fast, man. Yeah, I, just she don't, I,
2: just, I just don't care about her at all.
3: Yeah. It, I'm surprised how much they came back up in this book. Yeah. I mean, I did like, you know, Theron gave him his word, so he's going to return him. I did like the when she took over Sherry's body, basically, was like talking <laughs> through her. And I was like, oh, she's going to be a bad guy. And they brought up that whole, there was that whole thing about like, yeah, once you realize you get that kind of power, you're not going to give it up. I don't know what the sunrise people are, can actually do on their – I mean, they're stuck on their planet again, and we're basically told, don't leave here, don't come off.
2: Uh, i like to call Beth out on something. Uh, yes. How come you have never told us it was pronounced
1: Chila? Because I didn't know. This was the first of these audiobooks I've listened
2: to. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I had you no didn't... prior knowledge. Okay, I wasn't sure, because you listened to a lot of the audiobooks, because uh, apparently the name of the Chiss homeworld is Chila.
1: Yeah, which I would not have gathered from a CS. (laughs) No,
2: and Chisa is the other one too. Like that, the CS is a Ch. but uh, I was I was stunned by that. But now I'll feel smart whenever I say it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I will probably forget that's how it's actually pronounced and continue to pronounce it however I feel like. Casilla. Casilla. That's what I've always said.
1: Oh, I've always just cut out the C -c 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 and gone with the Sila.
2: Jixtus turns out to be kind of a punk.
1: Yeah. We spent a lot of time building him up for not much. Which I kinda like.
2: (laughs) I kinda like at the end. He just kinda gets his ass kicked.
3: Yeah, and I like he does the total like comedy sneak away. (laughs) Like he like (laughs) what's going on. He's like, Nope. And like Cory looks over and he's in the escape pod leaving. (laughs) It's like right. I I will say, this made me more interested in the grisk. I thought it would be Impossible. It did not give me any more information really about the Grisk. Nope. Um, I, I kind of see not. how they work a little more now, which makes sense. <laughs> like, yes. You know, justice with his, all his interactions with the, uh, I guess it's, how does it say in the audio? Kiljis? Kiljis?
2: The Kiljori, I think.
3: Yeah. yeah like, you got to see a little more about how he, like, sets up all the dominoes. Like, yep, you're going to attack this one and then we're going to go over here. Like,
2: this did enough for me to want to go back and reread the others. Mm hmm. Just to see the grisk stuff, because, or or maybe just go back and skim for the grisk stuff, because uh, this made me much more interested. Like you said, because he, he talked about it in that in the first trilogy, they talked about the fact that they like would infest societies and tear them apart from the inside, right? Uh-huh. And this is what he's trying to show: is this idea that they they get in and they tr- they, they foment um, violence, they foment civil war within cultures, you know? And they and they did that with the Magusis people.
3: Yeah. Well, it shows like he did this like long plan too. He used uh, the Nicardian, the pirates in the first one to set up the first part of the plan. And then he used the, what were the names? The Q, the Quibi and that their names in the second ones. Yeah. To get the civil war. And then he used the Illuminati, the Kildis to actually start the business. So I thought it did good. I. You know, they're definitely keeping them covered. They do not want us to know who the Grisk are or what they are.
2: So here, here's here's the two options, right? One, he writes more books without Thrawn, which I think we're all okay with.
3: Following these,
2: these characters after he leaves. Or he hopes that after Thrawn does his rounds on the live action show, he gets control of them again.
3: <sighs> I don't know if that's going
2: to happen. Right. But those are his two options to finish the Grisk
3: story. Well, I think an interesting, more interesting book is not bringing Thrawn back. But, you know, like we were saying a while ago, do another trilogy and make it Arlani and Mark and Linda and Eli and them taking everything they've learned from Thrawn and fighting the Grisk. Because that kind of takes away the Thrawn's always going to win thing, right?
2: Well, because he vanished.
3: Yeah, you've got these people that can kind of do what Thrawn does. He's kind of taught them how to look at these things, but they're not going to do it right every time like Thrawn would. See,
2: that's interesting Mm -hmm. because my brain went to just continuing where this book left off with the Ascendancy. But if the story takes place in the time where Thrawn is missing, right? Like, Like when Thrawn is vanished and no one knows where he is. If you said it during that time, they could defeat the Grisk or have their showdown with the Grisk or something during that time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He and, and it makes sense that he's not there because he's God knows where.
3: He's in a space whale's belly somewhere, <laughs>
2: somewhere, <laughs> somewhere.
3: Him and Ezra are hanging out somewhere.
2: I really liked Rescue in this because she was such a pain in the ass until she wasn't. I'm gonna I am gonna say Simacro instead of Mark because I think he's got a cool name.
3: But, uh, <laughs>
2: But, and we talked about this in the audiobook, he's basically just Ty from Battlestar Galactica
0: <laughs>
2: with a little bit of Nicholson.
0: Unidentified ships, this is Mid Captain Samacro of the Chiss Expansionary Defense Fleet warship Springhawk, he called in the Ta'arja trade language. You stand near our prey. Move clear of the Nick blockade frigate Alos or suffer the humiliation of becoming collateral damage.
3: I liked when Thalys took over for him when he was supposed to go, you know, convince the ruling families to send the ships. And Thalys like, nah, I'll do this. And he just kind of yeah. went, all right. <laughs> yeah,
2: he, he really does give over to Thalys and Sherry there. I, there's that one scene where, Sherry, where the ship's off course and he's like, is your Skywalker hijacking this ship and thalas is like convinces him to let it happen mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like okay he's a little bit more of a pushover but that's how much he believes in thrawn despite you know not liking the guy Much mm-hmm. she believes in him and what's the guy's name is it niv
3: yes oh
2: is the the guy from the first book the pirate uh-huh. from the first book or whatever i love this scene with him at arlani yeah where okay. she, she interrogates him i thought that was a really cool scene um
1: Oh, uh, y- Yiv the Benevolent. Benevolent.
2: Yiv, that's right, not Niv, Yiv. The not-benevolent. Yeah, not the benevolent. Benevolent. yeah it, it's like a scene from, like, Silence of the Lambs or something. He's like, I just want a view, <laughs> or I just I just want to be out. of. What, what's he say? Oh, I want to be exiled. I want to be away from the Chiss. It's also <laughs> an important scene, though, because it sets up the idea of exile. Yeah. It it brings that up, and it explains how that would work, uh, so that when you, you know, get to the end of the book, it, you have to explain it a little less, I think.
3: I thought the enlightened were really funny too, because they're such (laughs) like bean movie villains, always talking about like, we will bring enlightenment. Let us enlighten them. (laughs) I
2: I love when finally Jixtus breaks and he's like, you're worthless. (laughs) Your ideas are stupid. (laughs) Like, he just kind of, he just finally loses his patience with them.
3: I would love to see like in live action though, that scene where like, you know, Generalis is dead jesus has escaped and all the little enlightened's just like have their head down because they have nothing to do and Kalori's like i am your master now and they're like oh you're our new master and he's like yes get all these guns ready
2: now let's do something yeah no that was great
3: one plot i thought was odd i don't know if i didn't catch i mean when he's when thrawn sets up kalori because he kind of sets him up in two ways he does the thing about the Magus and that there's more of them or whatever that part tied in. But there's the other part where he starts to make him question if Jyxtus is actually being used by the enlightened. I right. Yeah. I don't know why that happened. Like
2: just to piss Jyxtus off. Maybe.
3: Maybe. <laughs> just I to, don't really know.
2: Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure where that, where that led.
3: I did like the, the Jinxedus does that like long speech, which I thought was funny, where he's like, Thrawn said that to you, so I would know. But he knows that I would know. And, and <laughs> therefore he like, goes through this whole thing. And in the end, he does exactly what Thrawn wants. And I was like, yep, yeah, there we go.
2: So, in that final battle, they were basically playing possum. Yeah. Yeah. The ships were all like hiding and behind mm-hmm. rubble.
3: Couldn't smoke Uh, screen out of the back of them.
2: And it it is a really badass moment where the the ships all just come to life and Jixus realizes they're surrounded.
0: And now, Thrawn of the Chiss, are you ready to give me the major scenes? One final comment before I answer. Thrawn said. I wish to remind you that the data from the Hammer's recent confrontation here at Sunrise. Along with our observations during our own battles with your warships, have likewise highlighted several weaknesses in brisk combat abilities and tactics. You would be wise to take that into account before you answer my question. And what question would that be? Jixtus asked. The most critical one of all, Thrawn said. Are you ready?
2: To mm-hmm. you know I think that it was it was I thought it was a really nice cinematic moment that that uh, Zahn brought and a surprise like I said because I was waiting for him to annihilate the entire planet with the star flash
3: I liked that one too where uh, I think it's Roscoe and maybe Arlani, they both shoot missiles at each other. <laughs> like the ship, they fly the Platonian ship in and they shoot the missiles at one another and they hit each other and shoot acid cloud. Yeah. I was like, yeah. that's really funny.
2: <laughs> oh, there's <laughs> hey. all sorts of cool things like that in this though. There's all sorts of that. There's the one where they're making the run. And I think it's Linda's like, I'll protect your, the sh- Oh yeah. They're in the gunboat. That's got the gravity wall projector. Mm-hmm. And Linda's like, I'll just ride alongside you and cut and and just take all the hits Mm -hmm. from them trying to destroy you. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of I am not a naval tactician. I know that's going to surprise everybody. (laughs) I'm not a naval tactician, so I have no idea if any of this stuff would work or is real. But I will say the naval stuff in it was cool. Yeah. I don't know if it makes sense, but for the book, it was awesome. Mm -hmm. Came up with a lot of creative ways to use the ships, to use the battles.
3: And they let Jixis do it too. Like when Jixis like backs his pl- his big old ship back into the planets well, facing yeah. up so nobody can get to him.
2: No, I, I just really liked how he handled the space battles. I thought that was great.
3: All the aliens showing up was a good end to that battle. Like all of them popping out of hyperspace that Throns helped. And they're like, nope. <laughs> it reminded me
2: help. of when the when the Togruta show up. Yeah. That moment
3: mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: in the High Republic. Here's what I'll uh, I'll say about this book and, and this series. I'm glad he got a chance to do it. Is this book a little too long? Yes, friends. This book is a little too long. Is this book got a little too much in it? It does. It really does. But I don't care. I'm glad he was able to indulge and tell what and make cuz this feels like a book that like he was just told just do what you want to do.
3: Yeah.
2: And and it's very and I'm glad he got to. It feels like a reward. Um, for creating this character uh, that they are now using in other media that he's going to l- kind of lose control of or already has lose con- lost control of. So they kind of gave him this feels, I mean, I feel like this is his masterpiece, at least in star Wars. I haven't read any non-star Wars on, so I can't say, but like, it feels like this feels like something that was important to him.
3: And I mean, not to beat a dead horse because we've talked about it so many times, but like, You can just feel like chaos rising, greater good, like all the pieces were there. He knew the whole story and used Mm -hmm. all those parts to make this book so much better.
2: It's seamless. I mean, you know, I don't read these books more than once very often. I listened to this audio book, this 24 hour audio book twice in two weeks i it makes me want to go back and read the last trilogy but it also makes me want to go back and read the rest of this trilogy again mm-hmm. i don't know if I can i don't know if I can take that because like you said this book is it's dense and it's complicated and and like and it's not it's not um incomprehensible you can follow it just fine but there's a lot to follow
3: and definitely it demands your attention like you have yeah. to focus on what you're reading or sometimes you don't
1: no, I I tried to multitask while I was listening to parts of this book and I was like, nope, just missed 30 pages. No idea
2: what just happened. I was just going around my house, listening to it, pretending to do stuff, but I wasn't really doing anything because I was trying to concentrate on the book, especially when it got to the finale, especially when it got to like, like I said, the like Ocean's Eleven sequence of everybody like deciding they're going to go back for Ron's play, you know? And and then going to the actual fight and, and like as soon as the fight started, like I was that last maybe hundred pages. That's the battle, basically. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more than that is gorgeous. I loved it. I, I thought it was fantastic. And I was on the edge of my seat and it was smart and it was clever. Maybe the best he's
3: ever been. Mm-hmm. I agree.
1: But even during the non-action parts, I will I will throw out a hot take and say that his, uh, his political stuff in this was not just much better than it's been before, but it's like, it's bordering on Lucino level of well-written political machinations where nothing, you know, there's no battles, there's nobody with guns, there's nobody shooting or doing anything with the force, but it's deeply interesting.
3: The only political thing that kind of fell flat for me, was the what's the Thurfan and you know his buddy
1: Ted and Steve.
3: Yeah, Ted and Steve. Yeah. I mean, the Ted and Steve stuff. Like they're kind of back and forth now that Ted is the patriot, and they get angry at each other. And I mean, it kind of showed that the family loyalties pulled them apart, even yeah. with their plan for Thrawn. Which I get, but it there really wasn't much.
2: And that was carried through all the books, right? Yeah, they yeah. were the least interesting part of all three of these books though. Yeah. See, I thought Thurphian though was interesting in this because he was a little more complex. He was. He doesn't back his play but he presents the information to everybody so that they can make the decision.
3: He gets forced into it though cuz I mean Dallas yeah. tells him like if you don't do this I'm going to expose all the Skywalker yeah. stuff.
2: That's true. That's true.
3: But yeah, or, I did- I'm gonna, or I'm going to
2: or I'm going to kill you.
3: Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Yeah, yeah. she's like, I didn't want to do this, and pulls the blaster out.
2: I I was stunned by that moment, actually. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She pulled out the gun.
3: I thought she was about to get killed. (laughs) It's like, I did too for a sec. Knock her off.
2: Don't want to mess with Thurfian.
3: I I will say, with the Thurfian thing, I liked in the end when they're exiling, you know, they do the big show to exile him and they take his honor chains off and all that. And they have that little thing where they, Thurfian smiles at it. They catch him like, with that little grin thinking that yeah. he's won. And really this was Thrawn and McKeith's plan the whole time. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah.
2: But you know what? I knew exactly what was happening and I was still pissed when it happened.
3: Yeah. yeah.
2: I was still pissed when they said exile. I was like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Even though I knew, even though they hadn't revealed it, I still knew it was his plan. I was still mad that these assholes would go along with it.
3: I thought it was funny. The whole book there, McKeefe, like, Almost every scene where he's like talking to Arlani or somebody else, he's like, Look, I know y'all did something out there setting up this fight, and I don't know what it was, but I'm gonna find out one day. And he never finds out. <laughs> like, no. did they make the battle.
2: No, it's there. He's they're Thrawn's angels, right? Mm-hmm. They're just he's <laughs> got this, this gang of really badass, mostly women who, um, who he has earned their loyalty and their trust. And I, I think we've compared them before, but like. Between this and High Republic, this is really good stuff. Like this is a good time to be a Star Wars book reader, in my opinion, because these both this series and the, the High Republic books are so rich with just great new characters that I care about. And and you don't get that from a lot of the other books.
3: Yeah. I just don't follow the people that don't like this or the High Republic. And there's a big group of them. The,
1: oh, sure. Yeah, I, I had time to look through a few reviews and and some of the bad ones on Amazon, at least. I didn't get to look through a lot, but I also don't need to read a lot of them. The bad reviews, at least, is a complaint is Thrawn is barely in it. And this is coming from a guy who liked Alliances right. and thought that was a good book. Yeah. And then uh, another big complaint from a lot of people was that he's he's just, Thrawn is just walking around like, hey, trust me, but but everyone trusts him. We've spent the last two books of this series building up that everyone now trusts him. He's earned this trust. So when he says, trust me now, he's earned it.
2: Plus he's asking for something real big. He is asking for you to, you're, he is asking you to trust him so much that you are going to throw away your entire life. Not only your your career and your, your life is a chiss and, Because all the things that happened to him at the end of that book could have happened to all of them.
3: And they
1: talk about it. But they were all willing to make that sacrifice to protect the Chiss.
2: Exactly. And to protect the Chiss because they trust. Well, it's it's, it's to protect the Chiss, but it's also because they trust that they have they have decided that he is the one that does know what's best for the Chiss. Right. Because of him, they acknowledge the Grisk as the existential threat that they are. And that they are willing to put not only their, I mean, you said their careers on the line, but their physical lives on the line too. I mean, they go do go fight a space battle. I was actually surprised there was no casualties amongst the yeah. kind of core group. Yeah, I thought maybe, um, I thought maybe Rescue was like headed for like a redemptive, mm-hmm. redemptive sacrifice or something, just because she was such kind of a pain in the ass earlier. See, in the I
1: I thought that we would lose Mark because of that, because he he was against Thrones so much throughout the whole book or the whole series.
2: Yeah. Mark
1: would be the one to get it.
2: The, the amount of trust they place in him is gigantic.
3: Yeah. Well, and this one, you know, he's done a lot in the other books, but this one, he's asking them to go to war with aliens, which is like chis numero uno rule. Do not do. We are the ascendancy.
2: One could call it their prime directive.
3: You could, <laughs> you might say it's a, lesser evil to work with the yes. aliens <laughs> yes for the greater good <laughs>
2: go back and listen to go back and listen to I mean, ryan won't but i'm listeners go back and listen to our rebel rebel rising episode with the Timothy Zahn interview he actually mentions the fact that he had gone in or maybe gary mentioned it that he had gone in to try to get a star trek job mm-hmm. and was offered star wars instead dude's a star trek fan first and foremost i think and this is his version of the federation and he even gave them a prime directive to not interfere with alien cultures. I think he decided that Chiss are his, uh, they're, they're his Vulcans.
3: Yeah, I say Thrawn is very Vulcan-esque.
2: He's Spock and Kirk in one because he's got that Spock-like demeanor, but he's also willing to break any rule he has to break. Yeah. So he's got and plus he passed the Kobayashi Maru in the first book.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He does not have any sexy alien girlfriends, though.
3: I don't think Thrawn would have to cheat on the Kobayashi Maru. I think he would just figure it out somehow.
2: I think Thras is the key to all of it, though. Thras's death and his sister's disappearance are like the keys to who he is now. Yeah. He was always like that, but... But the fact that at the end of the book, he's going into exile. Now, now here's the thing. No matter whether it was him and Bikif's plan or not, and, and it was, or or whether, you know, he thought it was the right thing to do, he's still leaving Chila probably forever. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's not a happy moment for him, even though they've technically pulled one over on him. And what's he say? What's the last thing he
0: does in his last night in Chila? Then I believe we're finished here. He continued, checking his chrono. We have time for one final meal together, if you wish. If you don't mind, I'd like to eat alone. Thrawn said. There's a bistro where Thras and I used to meet. I'd like to spend my last evening on China remembering
3: him. Yeah.
2: That means something. That means that that that's, was an important relationship that he lost he has such a hard time with the politics. That's what Thras was for. Thras Mm -hmm. was his other half in that way, right? He was, he was the political, he was Thrawn's political arm and maybe his death also drove, you know, drove him even further into the idea of, I have to do everything I can to defend the Chiss.
3: Mm -hmm. So one thing I have come back to a lot, like thinking about this book, and it's not like a huge scene or anything, but there's always been the question, and we've talked about it, why does Thrawn work for the Empire? And yeah. I thought there was a really strong scene and idea. Well, first of all, you know, we learned that he learned about the Empire when he was out hunting pirates.
2: Between this and his sentencing?
3: No, it's even before that. It's when Oh he, was it? it's when Arlani goes and she's checking out the He's hunting pirates with, what's his name? Um, uh, you know, the bird guy. <laughs> um, the right, right. So they're out like looking around and trying to figure out where Jixus is and all that stuff. And they talk, he runs into the nematodians. I can never say it right. Y'all. I mean, Nemoidians. Nemoidians, yeah. Which, God, those are not the ones you want to run into.
2: He's like, and they're so racist over there.
3: (laughs) I'm not sure what was happening, but there's a really good like explanation where he talks about. So the Republic, you know, he had seen was having all these problems, but now they have come under this one person who they kind of hint that he believes because it's not all these fighting factions and it's one person's idea that he will be more successful versus what he's seen in the ascendancy with all these families fighting.
2: There's that authoritarian throng we were missing.
3: Yeah. Yep. And like it makes total sense. Like once that kind of clicked, like I keep thinking about it because I'm like, that does make sense. It's not that you because know Because if you
2: if you hate politics, if you're bad at politics, do you know what do you know what the Emperor doesn't have to deal with? Mm-hmm. Politics. When you have an absolute ruler. Yeah.
3: And he's and watched, he's watched
2: the syndicate yeah. and he's watched the yeah. families. Uh bicker and all this stuff and standing there like jor-el you know or like every other kryptonian but jor-el going like ah it's fine Uh and he's he's watched them squabble while he's been saying this is an existential threat to us god this is another climate change book but this is an existential (laughs) threat to us and you guys are ignoring it And he's watched all the squabbling and the family politics. He has no, he has no time for it. It's, it's been his, it plus selfishly it's his Achilles heel. So what do you look at? You look at a place where you just have an absolute ruler.
3: Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, all the evil they do aside, like when you look at the empire, you know, she and all them, all they talk about all the time is for the glory of the empire. And you know, the empire above all else and all that mess. And that's, what Thrawn believes for his people, right? Like,
2: yeah, that's that's right up his alley. It's the same attitude that Anakin has, mm-hmm. right? You know, going to to Attack of the Clones, where Anakin basically says he's like, you know, everybody should be made to agree. You know, when 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 the senators don't get along, someone should come along and just go, "No, I'm making the decision."
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? There's this impatience um, for for the because democracy is slow and democracy is. Even, you know, the, I would say the Chiss is more of an oligarchy, but those, those things are slow. They do move at at a glacial pace. And for someone like Thrawn, who sees an immediate threat, or even Anakin, who sees an immediate threat, they would rather have a a dictator. They would rather have someone that just says, do this, someone who's just in charge.
3: And it makes sense later, you know, when Thrawn sees the rebellion, you know, for him, he sees a threat to the Empire, and to so, order yeah to order and so they're
2: just more pirates
3: yeah yeah exactly
2: you know the crew of the ghost is just more pirates for him to take down mm-hmm. that's what I think is freaking brilliant about this mm-hmm. is that we watch him there's so much emphasis on him hunting pirates and, and stuff and 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 it makes so much sense with the rebel version of Thrawn
0: the rebels may have protected the location of their base for now but in doing so they have narrowed my search before today, they could have been hiding in any of a thousand systems, but now, now I know they are almost certainly on one of the ninety four planets surveyed by my infiltrators. The rebels have won this battle, but the war will be ours.
3: And it makes me interested to see, like and I guess we'll probably, we might see it in live action some, like after he spends time with Ezra, is there going to be a change? Like, will Thrawn see, like, maybe the protection of, you know, the government or the society as a whole, whether it's the Empire, or the Chiss Ascendancy, like...
2: Will the Empire be gone?
3: Oh, yeah. But I'm just thinking, like, when he justifies, like, will he yeah. see, like, that above all else isn't maybe what I should have been doing?
2: I was going to ask that when we got to the end of this, too, I I'm I've been racking my brain for months trying to figure out what they're going to do with him on the show. How are they going to present him and where is he going to be at in his journey? Because if the Empire is, yes, the Empire is gone. But do we know how long? Like we know that he disappeared with Ezra. We don't know yeah. that he hasn't been in the galaxy since. Yeah. Right? He, he could have come back yeah. already because bo looking for him. When she says, where's Grand Admiral Thrawn? That implies that someone knows where he is.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. She wouldn't just randomly go looking for him if she thought he was somewhere in the world between worlds with Ezra.
3: I hope they don't make Thrawn a villain villain. And I don't think full on. I also that. hope they
2: don't make him a hero hero. No. <laughs> so I want something in between, you know? Yeah. Which I think he is already. Mm-hmm. I think he is in between. I, on Rebels, he's a little more sinister. Mm-hmm. But that's but think about it. It's a show called Rebels. And he's the Imperial. Of course, he's more sinister.
3: <laughs> and for all the adult things, you know, and all the deep kind yeah. of things that happens, it's still a kids show. Like they're not going to make the villain this super nuanced thing no. that Ron is. They don't have I time for that in the twenty minutes they have per episode. He's just the guy that wants some tie defenders <laughs> and.
2: He wants tie defenders and the stop the rebels. That's all he really wants.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm with him on the tie defenders.
2: Does he want to take the tie defenders back to Chila? Is that way? Is he secretly working on the tie defenders as like new fighters for the chiss?
3: He could be because they bring up the shields again, that they oh, can't yeah. figure out how to make the shields work. Like they worked that yeah. one time and they can't replicate it. So And
2: the tie defenders have shields.
3: Yeah, maybe that's just the project that kind of gives him the door in to kind of see the plans for all this stuff. Like. Yeah, let's make these Tie Fighters that can go to hyperspace and have shields. He's got like a list of like things I need, and it's like shields, <laughs> hyperspace, like all these things.
2: There are a lot of things coming up on the shows, but what they're going to do with him is the one that I'm most in the dark about.
1: Yeah,
3: like
2: it's you know uh, now. I mean, listen, Boba Fett surprised me with by the way they brought him in, but still, I'm so in the dark about where Thrawn and what what they're going to do with Thrawn and Ezra, and what kind of character Thrawn going to be when we see him again. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay mm-hmm. with not knowing. I'm happier that way.
1: Yeah, I'd rather not know than have any fears confirmed. They can be confirmed if, if need be when the show airs. I'm hoping that won't be necessary.
2: I am only worried about one single thing on the upcoming Disney shows. And you know what that is. Because Ryan is worried about it too. And so is Beth. That is Anakin on Obi-Wan. <sighs> That's yeah. the thing I am worried about the most, in all of the, I, I trust all the other shows, but Anakin on, on Obi Wan worries me. Yeah, so uh, we'll see.
3: I mean, I think we all agree. Overall trilogy, it was great.
1: So much better than the last one, and the last one had good points. Just alliances being a general low point as a book, but I don't, I don't think that there was a, an, there wasn't an alliances in this trilogy. I think all the
2: books were strong. This is a great series. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, this is a great series this is like i said i think i think this is uh, um just quality raw wise i think it's better than the ear of the empire trilogy. It's not as iconic, but i think qual- i think as far as the writing the storytelling it's way better he's had mm-hmm. how he's had twenty five years to perfect that you know thirty years
3: <laughs> i think he just he has laid out you know the chiss have always been this kind of mystery like we knew some about him not a lot. But the layering he did in these books, the society he set up, and for as crazy complicated as it was, he did it so well. And it's completely different than anything we've read before. But at the same time, it still feels like Star Wars, which is great, with a little Star Trek in there.
2: (laughs) With a lot of Star Trek. With a lot of Star Trek in there.
3: You know, they didn't have teleporters or anything.
2: I put this trilogy up there with... um... Some of our favorites, uh, up up there with I I think it's up there with Plages. What I think he did was great in this book. Is it is tons of political intrigue, but the action and adventure st- he manages to maintain the action and adventure stuff. No, fairly it's well. really
1: it's really well balanced. Uh-huh. It's super like exciting. Luc- Lucino never never did quite nail down the uh, the action and adventure portion. He was just
2: never super interested in it.
1: Right. I think this is a great balance because he does the political stuff well. He also does the giant space battles well. Listen, I'm
2: a, I'm cynical as hell, and this book this was exciting. Yeah, It was a legit exciting read, you know, and that's awesome. And I, like I said, do I think it's a little too much? Yeah, I think it's a little too much. I think it could be about I don't know a few ounces lighter.
1: Well, you gotta. Also look at it from being Timothy Zahn, as in he never knows if he's going to get the opportunity to write oh, yeah. Thrawn again. So he's he's got to go for it. And if this is the last, I mean, I hope it's not, but if this is the last Thrawn book he ever writes or the last Chiss book he ever writes, then it's a great
2: point to have to go out on. And I'm glad he got to make it as long. I'm, I, I wish it was 300 pages longer. Like I, if, if he wanted it to be like, I'm glad what we got is it feels like he got to, you know, he got to deliver his book and his trilogy. Mm -hmm. This is a really tight, like you said, well-built world, very tightly plotted.
1: I immediately did upon finishing this one. I said, I need to go back and read all three of these again. Oh, wait, that's going to take a month.
2: (laughs) going to take time and uh, we don't have that time because what are we going to read next?
1: Next time we are going to go back to the High Republic with Claudia Gray's fallen star. I wonder what it's about. Buckle up. <laughs> I'm sure Bill's fine.
2: Things are going to get real bad. <laughs> All over the High Republic, things are going to get real bad. Bill's not fine. <laughs> I think we're we're gonna lose some people in this book, right? There's no way we don't. Oh
3: yeah, I think we're gonna lose quite
2: a few. All right, Deathpool. What was your money on the first person? I, I have my idea.
3: <sighs> I think Avar goes down. Miss Chris that's herself.
2: I, yeah. That's who I have. <laughs> that's what I have. Yeah, yeah, I think she goes down. I think Stellan is a possibility too.
1: Stellan Stellan was in there as well for me, but I think Avar is
2: uh Ooh, Elzar might be more mm-hmm. likely.
3: Uh, See, my bet is Chris goes down and we're going to see a fracture between Stellan and Elzar. It's going to push them apart.
2: In the comics, there's a fracture right now between Stellan and Avar.
3: Yeah, I've seen that.
2: They're not getting along super well either. So hopefully we'll get that Hogwarts show where we get to see them as friends.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you guys. And thank you everyone for joining us. And we will talk to you all very soon. You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com.
3: Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.
0: Every single
3: damn one of them.